It is exciting to see God grow in the church, isn't it? And I'm thankful for God bringing us new folks. I'm thankful for God building and uh, keeping folks that have been here for years. And this morning, we looked at the virgin birth and went through the scriptures and just looked verse after verse. Why was there a virgin birth? And what it came down to, let's look at it, Genesis 3, 15 and Luke uh, 1, Genesis 3, and Luke 1. The Bible says in the book of John that God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. So when there needed to be a sacrifice, there was a problem. If you look at Genesis 3.15, so this is immediately after the fall, and God pronounces judgment, and He describes a battle that's going to take place. So Genesis 3.15, and I will put enmity, remember that's a battle or a war, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel." So the thou is, is the serpent, Satan. The it is the promised Messiah. And isn't that strange to use the word it? And then if you look at Luke chapter 1 and verse 35, And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. So Jesus Christ, when he was born as a man, remember uh, Isaiah 9, 6, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Uh, Micah 5, 2, he was from, ever, from of old, from everlasting. So Jesus Christ, the everlasting one, the eternal son of God, he became a man at Bethlehem. He, he became a thing in it that could be touched as 1 John 1 says, that we have handled with our hands. And so when God pronounced that in Genesis chapter 3 in verse 15, in theology they call that the proto-evangelium, the, the first statement of the gospel message in Genesis 3.15, the promise of the virgin birth, the promise of the coming Messiah. As soon as that happened, Satan began a battle against God's seed. He began a battle against God's seed. So that's what we're going to look at tonight. And we're going to trace through Satan's seed and God's seed. If you ever want to do a great study in your Bible, study that word seed. We had a teacher in Bible college that had us do that. He had us do that with several words in the Bible. And track it down. And Jesus Christ is the seed of David, the seed of man. But then there's a seed of corruption that we're going to see. So go back with me to Genesis chapter 3. And let's look at that again. And I will say that this is controversial, that this view of this battle of the seeds is controversial, but it should not be. It should not be controversial. It's only controversial for anti-supernaturalists. Now, how many of you believe in the supernatural? Right? You believe in a supernatural God. And does the Bible say we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers the rulers of darkness in high places. Is that what the Bible says? So we, there, there is this spiritual realm that goes on, and that spiritual realm entered into the physical realm at the pronouncement of the battle of the seeds. 
So Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, again, it says, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. Between thy seed and her seed. Look at uh, Genesis chapter 4. Now, let's not forget this. Here's why that's significant. Women don't have seed. Men have seed. Biologically, women don't have seed. So that's why this is the pronouncement of the virgin birth. This is that there would be a man born without the seed of a human man. And that's who Jesus Christ was. And so now look at what happens. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And so what ends up happening? Cain kills Abel. Jesus Christ was supposed to come from the seed of Abel because Abel was the firstborn. And it's interesting when you look at who Cain was. Uh, let me see if I can track this down for you real quick. Yes, uh, look with me at First John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3, look at verse 10. In this, the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil... It's interesting, isn't it? Children of God, children of the devil. Whoso doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither is he, neither he that loveth not his brother. For this is the message that ye heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, look at this, who was of that wicked one and slew his brother. And wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. So it's interesting. Now, let me... How many of you have heard of the... Uh, uh, I won't even go into it. There, there, there's a teaching that is really weird. There's a church in Lima, I think, that teaches it. The guy that's the father of it, his name was Parker. What was his first name? Daniel Parker, yeah, the two seed. Daniel Parker started the first Baptist church of any kind in Texas, but he went nuts. And he established this two seed in that, that people are either born of the seed of the devil or they're born of the seed of uh, God And based on this passage. That's not what we're teaching, okay? That, that, that's not it at all. But obviously, Cain had chosen to follow the wicked one. And that one who followed the wicked one killed the one from whom the seed was supposed to come, Abel, the firstborn of Adam. So the battle is announced in Genesis 3, and it starts in force in Genesis chapter 4 with Abel killing, I'm sorry, with Cain killing Abel. And then look at what happens in chapter 5. This is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man... 
In the likeness of God made he him. Male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. And of course, ladies, that's why you take your husband's name when you get married because of that passage. And Adam lived 130 years and begat a son in his own likeness after his image and called his name Seth. So understand that we are created in the image of God, but ever since Adam fell, now his children were born in his image and in his likeness. And so we saw this morning, according to Romans 5.12, for as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. Why? Because we're all born in the likeness of Adam. We need to be born again in the likeness of Jesus Christ. We can either be a son of Adam or we can be a son of God. We're born a son of Adam as we're born into the flesh. We are born again. We become a son of God. Isn't that right? John 1, as many as received him to them, gave you power to be called the sons of God. So this battle of the seeds, it's pronounced in Genesis chapter 3. It starts in Genesis chapter 4. In Genesis chapter 5, we see the pronouncement and now you have the the uh, lineage and the descendants and all of that that takes place. But then Genesis chapter 6, this battle of the seeds becomes very pronounced. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be in 120 years. There were giants in the earth in those days and also after that. Now, where did the giants come from? When the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and there they bare children to them, the same became mighty men which were of old, men of renown. So in this battle of the seeds now, you have the seed of man, mingling, or the, the descendants of man, the daughters of man, mingling with these sons of God. And so there was a preacher named John R. Rice, and he taught against this. So in a lot of independent Baptist churches, people believe that what this is talking about is that the godly line of Seth started intermarrying with the ungodly line of Cain. The only problem is that's not what it says. Does it say anything about the godly line of Seth or the ungodly line of Cain? No, it says the sons of God and the daughters of men. Sons of God and daughters of men. That's what's being spoken of. Right after the pronouncement of the battle of the seeds and right after the one that was to, give the, to, to bear the seed in Abel being killed by Cain, who was the wicked one, who is of the wicked one, and then when we find out that these are in Adam's image and we need someone through this line, through that seed to be born somehow and bring us salvation, that all of a sudden, immediately, there in chapter 6, you have the sons of God entering into the daughters of men. And these giants are born. I was in Cleveland at a, at a pastor's fellowship meeting and I was with a couple of pastors that I had, hadn't met yet. They were just there with us eating and... They started asking Dalton Robertson and me about somehow we got onto this text. And he said, so do you believe that those are angels? Do you really believe that? And I said, well, yeah. And he, I said, what do you believe? He said, I believe that they are, you know, the godly line. And he said that again. I said, okay, let me ask you a question. Have you ever had someone that, that attended your church and it was a saved person and they got married to a lost person? Have you ever known that to happen? They said, yeah. I said, and their kids were giants and God destroyed the world because of it, right? 
And the one guy said, you're such a smart aleck. No, that's what happened. And see, this is the problem. Too many people who claim to be Bible believers, they spiritualize a text rather than take it for what it is saying in the text. So here you have these sons of God and they enter into the daughters of men. And there's something crazy that happens. So let's try to define these sons of God. So go to the book of Job. Y'all with me so far? Jacob, on the counter in my office is a bottle of water. Will you get it for me? Job. Now, of course, Job's the oldest book in the Bible. Job chapter 1, interesting passage here. Verse 6. Now, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. Isn't that interesting? The sons of God. And Satan comes in with these sons of God. All right. Look at Job chapter 38. Again, this is controversial, and it really shouldn't be if you believe the Bible. Job chapter 38, look at verse 1. Then the Lord answered Job out of the world, and remembered that God had, uh, that Job started questioning God. And so God didn't want to be questioned, so he began questioning Job. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee and answer thou me. Where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. Now, let me ask you a question. When God laid the foundations of the earth, were there any men there? That would be a hard question for Job to answer then. Right? Then look at what it says. Who hath laid the measure thereof, if thou knowest? Or who hath stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone thereof? When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. So when God's laying the foundation of the earth, who are these sons of God who are shouting for joy? Who are they? They can't be people. People hadn't been invented yet. Do you like that, invented? Isn't that a good word for that? They weren't there. So who are these sons of God? They're angels. They're angels. Uh, look at this is. Let me give you a good definition for a son of God. A son of God is a direct creation of God. A son of God is a direct creation of God. We as people, we're not direct creations of God. We're born. Is there anyone here who was never born? And, okay, you see my point? All people are born. They've not made them in test tubes yet. We are all born. Angels are not born. They're created. An angel is a direct creation of God. We're not going to take the time to go there, but in Ezekiel chapter 28, God is talking to Lucifer, and he says, in the day when thou wast created. He's a created being, uh, uh, an angel, or a son of God, I should say, is a direct creation of of God. Look at Luke chapter 3. 
So, in the genealogies of Jesus, Matthew presents Jesus Christ as the king of the Jews. So, Matthew's genealogy takes the genealogy of Christ back to uh, uh, Abraham. Mark presents Jesus Christ as a suffering servant, and so he cares about the genealogy of a servant. There's no genealogy there. Luke presents Jesus Christ as the perfect man, and so his genealogy takes Jesus Christ all the way back to uh, Adam, the first man. And then John presents Jesus Christ as the Son of God, and it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So the eternality of God, is of Jesus, is the genealogy of John. So here in Luke... At the end of the genealogy is verse 38, Luke 3 and verse 38, which was the son of Enos, which was the son of Seth. So do you see how the godly line, it skipped the line of the Messiah, it skipped Cain and comes through Seth. It was going to come through Abel, now it came through Seth, which was the son of Adam, which was the what? The son of God. Adam was the son of God. He was the, a direct creation of God. He was not born, for those of you from Kentucky. All right? He was a direct creation of God. So a son of God is a direct creation of God. Uh, look at Genesis. No, we're not going to take the time to go there. I already showed you how that, that uh, Seth was born in Adam's likeness and in Adam's image. All right, so these sons of God, they are angels, they're Adam. And then interesting, look at, there's another reference to the sons of God. Look at Isaiah chapter 43. We're talking about this battle of the seeds and what Satan does to try and stop God's plan. Let me give you a spoiler. God wins. Okay, Isaiah 43. And look at verse 6. I will say to the north, give up. And to the south, keep not back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Even everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory. I have formed him. Yea, I have made him. Is that interesting? So these sons and daughters of God... This is dealing with Israel, the nation of Israel, and the nation that turns to him. All right? So they're called the sons of God. And then look at John chapter 1. Verse 11. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. All right? So you're born again, and you become a son of God. Now, that son of God has to be a direct creation of God. Isn't that what we've already said? So now look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 17, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a what? 
new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The Bible says that we are His workmanship, created in Him for good works. Isn't that right? We are His workmanship. He created us. Sons of God, we are a direct creation of God. So angels, Adam, Israel, believers, and then there's another son of God. Who do you think that is? Jesus Christ, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave His what? Only begotten Son. The only one. He's the only one that God the Father Himself is His Father. That's, that's what happened in the virgin birth. Praise God for that. All right. Now, back to Genesis 6. So these sons of God are obviously not Christians. Right? They're, they're obviously not Jews. How do we know they're not Jews? Because this was a long time before Abraham. Right? So, And how many of you know that it was not Adam? These are obviously angels, and that's, that's what's taking place. So what is the significance of the sons of God to the judgment of the world? So go back with me to, um, you know, let's do this. Let's do it this way. Go to 2 Peter. There's so much more in the Bible about this than most people would ever even imagine. And God links several events together in several passages of Scripture. So 2 Peter chapter 2, and look at verse 4. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. Now, we mentioned this the other night. This is not all of the angels that fell. There's a specific group of angels that God did this to, Okay. And spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person. Isn't that interesting? These angels that fell, that ended up being cast into hell, what are they linked with? Noah. Am I making it up or is that the next verse? Right? And spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the what? the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes condemned them with an overthrow, making them an ensample unto those that after should live ungodly and delivered just lot vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked for that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds." For, it says, the Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. Interesting passage of Scripture. Look at Jude chapter 6, and let's see if we find any of these groups mentioned. Did I say chapter 6? <laughs> Jude 6. And the angels, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, 
are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise, also, these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. Yet Michael, the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. But these speak evil of those things which they know not, but what they know naturally as brute beasts. In those things they corrupt themselves. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of what? And ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward and perished in the gainsaying of Korah. Now, what's interesting about this, and I don't have time to to break it down completely, but in verse 7, in Sodom and Gomorrah, they went after strange flesh. All right. Now, how many of you know immediately what that's talking about? But who were they trying to go after? Angels. Is that right? Am I making it up or is it true? Isn't that interesting? So strange flesh is what the, the Sodomites were doing. But it is also this idea of angels and men. Now, don't miss this. And I need to mention this. I I don't know if I've mentioned it here. I know in our spirit world study on Wednesday nights, we've said it all the time. Every time you find angels in the Bible, they look like men. Every time. I I dare you to find me a time when a creature that's identified as an angel does not look like a full-grown man. Don't look like little boys. Don't look like cherubs. Don't look like women with wings. Okay? Every time an angel is identified in the Bible looks like a man. That's why you can't tell the difference. What what does the Bible say? Some of you have entertained angels. What's that next word? Why wouldn't you know? Wouldn't you know if you saw somebody with 10-foot wings? Would you be aware of that? Yeah, 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 I I think so. Some of you are unaware, but, but you might have seen that one. So whenever you see an angel, they look like a man. And so that's, and isn't that exactly what happened at Sodom? Isn't, isn't that exactly what happened? Give us those men. Is that what it said? Give us those men. So that's what was happening in Sodom. So when you see the Sodom and Gomorrah account, when you see the flood account, when you see many of these accounts, the, the common thread is this concept of the sons of God. So in Isaiah chapter 14, we're not going to take the time to go there, But Satan, what does he do? He's lifted up in pride and God casts him down and a third of the angels are cast down with him. So what are these things that are in common? Three acts of judgment that are so similar that God puts them in the same sentence. What do they have in common? Well, these sons of God were present at the fall of Satan in Isaiah 14. Um, In Genesis 3, 5, God Uh, Satan says to Eve, ye shall be as gods. And she's not surprised. She knew about these creatures, these sons of God. And then they were present in the time of Noah. Let's go to Genesis 6.1 and I want to show you something. Look at verse 3. And the Lord said, Genesis 6, 3, My spirit shall not always strive with... What's it say? For that... What are those next two words? For that... He also is flesh. 
yet his days shall be 120 years. There were giants in the earth in those days. Now, when you see in those days, what are you supposed to look for? Who knows? What are you supposed to look for? Tribulation period. Whenever you see that phrase in those days, look for some reference to the tribulation period. And you know what happens in the tribulation period? We see some of the same activity. That's God telling us there's something coming. But look at what it says. It says in verse 4, There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men which were of old, men of renown. Look at verse 6. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart that he had made what on the earth? Man. And the Lord said, I will destroy what? What's repetition in the Bible? I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Now remember, generations, we think of generations as a period of time. Even in the context, his generations are not a period of time. They're his sons. Okay? These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. Were Noah's children perfect? Doesn't God end up cursing one of them here very briefly or very shortly after this? So what is this talking about? Perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God and Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt before God and the earth was filled with violence. Can you, wonder, can you imagine what it was like? Very interesting. And God looked upon the earth and behold, it was corrupt for all what? Flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, the time of all what? What's it say? The time of all. Everybody with me? Verse 13. And God said unto Noah, the, uh, I said time, I'm sorry. The end of all what? <laughs> I'm sorry, folks. You'll be, you know, struggle like me one of these days. And God said, Noah, the end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. So what happened, This remember what we're talking about, this battle of the seeds. Uh, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed, that's Satan's seed, and her seed. And Jesus had to be born a man. Remember in the book of Job, chapter 9, for he is not a man. That's what Job said, but he would be. That's what the virgin birth was all about. And so Satan is making this attack on the seed of man, and he's trying to destroy mankind. And that's what happened in Genesis. And he thought he had won, but there was one family whose seed hadn't been corrupted by these sons of God entering into the daughters of man. The entire human race 
had been corrupted. I want you to think about something. He was perfect in his generations. You know what, we, you know what other word we get from that? Genes. Not Levi's. We're talking about genetic code. Their genes had not been corrupted. And so God destroyed all flesh except that that had not been corrupted. These sons of God that entered into the daughters of men and their there, there's, there's these giants that were born unto them. They were mighty men, men of renown. You might have heard of them, Hercules. Half God, half man. All of those legends, this is the root. This is the genesis of all of those legends when the sons of God entered into the daughters of men and that corrupting of the line, this battle of the seeds. So they're present at the fall of Satan and they're present in uh, the time of Noah, but they're also present at Sodom and Gomorrah. This is something interesting that you might not have noticed. Look at Genesis chapter 14. And if you notice that God links the fall of the angels, the flood, and Sodom of Gomorrah, God links that when he's talking about judgment. This is something that a lot of people miss. Genesis 14, verse 1, And it came to pass in the days of, Aram, of, of Amraphel, king of Shinar. Does that bring back any memories from the last two weeks? What happens in the plains of Shinar? Where is Shinar? What, what, what city do we know of in Shinar? Babylon. Okay. And it came to pass in the days of Amraphel, king of Shinar, Arioch, king of... Elaser, Chedorlaomer, king of Elam, Tidal, king of nations. That these made war with Bera, king of Sodom, and with Beersha, king of Gomorrah, Shinab, king of Adma, and Shem, Shemiber, king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, which is Zoar. And all these were joined together in the vale of, of Siddim, which is the Salt Sea. So that's that Dead Sea down there. Twelve years they served Chedorlaomer. In the thirteenth year they rebelled. Now, it's interesting. Remember that the number thirteen is the number of rebellion. So just a little side note there. Verse 5, In the fourteenth year came Chedorlaomer and the kings that were with him and what did they smote? What did they smote? What did they smite? <laughs> and smote the Rephaims in Ashtoreth, Carnaim, and the Zuzims in Ham, and the Emims in Sheva, and Kirjathaim. Okay. Now, Rephaims are giants. So you see them again, Genesis 14. Where is this taking place? Sodom. Gomorrah. So when you see these three areas of judgment, you find these creatures. So Bera, the king of Sodom, this is the first world war. Shinar is the capital of Babylon. Ashtaroth is the false goddess. She lived in Sodom. And Rephaims are fallen ones or giants. That's what that word means. So you find these characters again. So understanding these sons of God is a key to understanding your Bible. And God gives us that as soon as the fall takes place, 
He announces this and then we ignore it the rest of the way through the scriptures. When if you ever want to know why did all these things happen, it is the battle of the seeds. They appear at the fall of Satan. They appear at the fall of man. When God establishes his seed, Genesis 3.15 with Cain and Abel in Genesis 6. When God establishes the people from whom his seed will come. So it's interesting that Sodom is the cities of the plain. Remember that, that God said to Lot, you take your people and you choose. And he chose the well-watered plains of Sodom, the plains. Is that right? I want you to see something very interesting. Look at Deuteronomy. Chapter 3. The sons of God, this, this battle of the seeds, it's amazing how often they show up. Deuteronomy chapter 3. Look at verse 10. All the cities of the plain, and all Gilead, and all Bashan, unto Salca, and Edria, cities of the kingdom of, look at this, the kingdoms of Og and Bashan. For only Og, king of Bashan, remained of the remnant of giants. These cities of the plain. What's happening here? This is where God is going to establish Abraham and going to establish his people. So when God announces the battle of the seeds, Satan is there. When he starts the lineage with Abel, Satan is there. Cain being of the wicked one. When God establishes man on the earth, he has to destroy the earth at the flood. <clears throat> and now when God announces where his people are going to be, these giants, these Anakin, these sons of God are there in Abraham's time. How about when God gives the seed a lawgiver and a land? So remember, God has to bring... Jesus through the tribe, through Abraham, through the, the tribe of Judah. God's got to do that. And he's going to establish the people in the land. What happens? Look at the book of Numbers. And if we're talking about Satan's rebellion, what chapter do you think we're going to go to? Numbers chapter 13. The old Jewish rabbi said, Coincidence is not a kosher word. They're not coincidences. All right, so look at... Was that a terrible impersonation? All of my impersonations. I can do Kermit. Kermit the Frog here. See, I, I can do a good Kermit because I sound like Kermit, but that's the only impersonation I can do. All right, so Numbers chapter 13, verse 30. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once to possess it. Talking about the land that the twelve spies had gone to spy out. For we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it, is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people 
that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the, the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants, and we were in our, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. So if you figure I'm five eight, then I'm about five eight taller than a grasshopper. So what would that be? That'd be an eleven foot tall man. That's what these giants were. They weren't just tall people. They were literal giants. And everywhere God has a plan, when God is sending, going to do something, when he announces it, God announces the, the battle, they're there. He announces his seed. Chapter 4, Abel is killed. God, then through man, he has to come. So Satan corrupts all of the people and God saves them through Noah. And now in the land where God is going to send the people, you have these giants everywhere. They're, they're all through it. Look at, uh, go to the book of Deuteronomy with me. Deuteronomy chapter 1. This is one of the uh, things that the atheists, when they try to question the Bible and they call God a tyrant, why would God tell the children of Israel to kill every man, woman, child, and beast in uh, Canaan? Here's why. Deuteronomy chapter 1. Look at verse 28. Whither shall we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our hearts, saying, The people is greater and taller than we. The cities are great and walled up to heaven. And moreover, we have seen the sons of the Anakims there. So do you see how you have the full-blown giants, but they were all corrupted with it because they were these really big people, Wade knew. Look at chapter 2, Deuteronomy chapter 2 and verse 19. And when thou comest nigh over against the children of Ammon, distress them not, nor meddle with them. For I will not give thee of the land of the children of Ammon any possession, because I have given it unto the children of Lot for a possession. That also was accounted a land of giants. Giants dwelt therein in old time, and the Ammonites call them Zamzumans, a people great and many and tall as the Anakims, but the Lord destroyed them before them and they succeeded them and dwelt in their stead. So that's the land where they had been. So were they wiped out? Remember what the Bible says. There were giants in the land in those days and also after that. Look at chapter 3. We looked at this just a minute ago and this is where the giants were in verse 11. For only Og of Bashan remained of the remnant of the giants. So there were still giants there in that day. So we're seeing this battle of the seed that takes place. How about when God gives the children the land under Joshua? So they go in and they conquer the land, but what does Joshua find? Look at Joshua chapter 12. This is pretty interesting in Joshua. Joshua chapter 12, look at verse 4. And the coast of Og, king of Bashan, which was of the remnant of the giants that dwelt at Ashtaroth and at, at uh, Edrei. Now, remember what Ashtaroth is. That's the queen of heaven. That's that woman that we talked about in Zechariah not too long ago. 
So isn't it interesting that you have these giants dwelling in the land of that woman that the Bible talks about? That, that evil prophetess, that evil religion that is found all the way through Scripture, all the way to Revelation chapter 17. It's fascinating the, the combination of these two things that we see all through the Scriptures. So you have this, this woman. Look at chapter or these giants. Chapter 13 and verse 12. All the kingdoms of Og and Bashan, which reigned in Ashtaroth and in Edrei, who remained of the remnant of the giants, for these did Moses smite and cast them out. So there were still giants there. Do you see that? They were still there. Look at chapter 15 and verse 8. And the border went up by the valley of the son of Hinnom unto the south side of the Jebusite. This is interesting. The same as Jerusalem. And the border went up to the top of the mountain that lieth before the valley of Hinnom westward, which is at the end of the valley of the giants northward. Isn't it interesting that Satan knew where Jerusalem was going to be? And that's the valley of the giants. The battle of the seeds. This is what's going on. Chapter 17, verse 15. And Joshua answered them, If thou be a great people, then get thee up to the wood country and cut down for thyself there in the land of the Perizzites and of the giants, if Mount Ephraim be too narrow for thee. Giants still there. Chapter 18. Chapter 18, verse 16, or at least had been. That verse doesn't tell us. Verse 16. And the border, this is chapter 18 and verse 16. And the border came down to the end of the mountain that lieth before the valley of the son of Hinnom, and which is in the valley of the giants on the north, and descended to the valley of Hinnom to the side of Jebusee on the south, and descended to Engrogel. Now, you see this over and over and over, these giants all through. That's why God said, kill every man, woman, child, and beast. How about this? How about when God chooses to establish His throne in Jerusalem? He's going to establish the throne of David. When God chooses to do that. Remember, God had chosen David, but the people chose Saul. God chose David. Look at what happens. Uh, 2 Samuel chapter 21. So remember in 2 Samuel chapter 7, God had announced that He would establish this throne of David. 2 Samuel chapter 21, look at verse 16. Uh, verse 15, Moreover, the Philistines had yet war again with Israel, and David went down and his servants with him and fought against the Philistines, and David waxed faint. And Ishbinibnab, which was of the sons of the giant. You see that? Sons of the giant. So here, when God is going to establish his throne, what do we have again? Now, we know about Goliath. Look at these. And verse 17. And Abishai, and Abishai the son of Zeruiah, succored him. And smote the Philistine and killed him. 
Then said the man of David unto him, saying, Thou shalt go no more out with us to battle, that thou quench not the light of Israel. And it came to pass after this that there was again battle with the Philistines at Gob. Then Sibachai, the Hushethite, slew Saph, which was the sons which was of the sons of the giant. And, and it's all through this, these, verse 20. And there was yet a battle in Gath, where was a man of great stature, that had on every hand six fingers, and on every foot six toes, four and twenty in number. And he also was born to the giant. Verse 22. These four were born to the giant in Gath and fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants. So when God is going to establish his people, when God's going to establish his throne, you see these through when he establishes it. How about when Jesus is crucified? Look at, look at this, Psalm 22. You might have missed this, Psalm 22. So, of course, if you look at verse 1, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? This whole psalm is a prophecy of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. So now look at verse 11. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Many bulls have compassed me. Strong bulls of Bashan have beset me round. Bashan is the land of the giants. Bashan is where those giants came from. There's a link there with the crucifixion of Christ. How about when Jesus Christ returns? Look at the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 2. So remember this image is there and Daniel gives the... Uh, the, the, the description of it, and it's a prophecy of the great kingdoms. You have a, a, a head of gold. If you look at verse 43, we're going to see that in a second. But there's a head of gold. That's the Babylonian Empire. It has silver arms. That's the Medo-Persian Empire. There's a brass torso. That's the Greek Empire. Then the iron legs, the Roman Empire. Now, remember, the Roman Empire never really ended. It split into two, and it's become fractured. But the Roman Empire has never really gone away. How many of you know that Rome still exists? Right? It has not, it has not gone away. It divided into east and west, and so you have those two legs. That took place, of course, at the Great Schism. But look at um, verse 40. And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron... For as much as iron breaketh in pieces and subdueth all things, and as iron that breaketh all things, shall it break in pieces and bruise. And whereas thou sawest the feet and toes, part of potter's clay and part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, but there shall be in it of the strength of the iron, for as much as thou sawest the iron mixed with miry clay. Now, you see that these are just elements, iron and clay, right? Notice the, notice the pronouns that come in here. And as the toes, verse 42, and as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, 
So the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, what's that next word? They, not it. They shall mingle themselves with the seed of men. But they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. And look at verse 44. And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, for it shall stand forever. For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter. And the dream is certain, and the interpretations, and the interpretation thereof sure. That hereafter, what shall be hereafter? Remember, Revelation one nineteen. write the things which thou hast seen, that's Revelation chapter 1, the things which are, Revelation chapters 2 and 3, and the things which shall be hereafter, Revelation chapters 4 through 22. When is this going to happen? In that hereafter, in the book of Revelation. So this is the battle of the seeds. This seed being mixed with miry clay, these gods coming and mixing themselves with the God, or with the, the seed where, whereby the children of God would come. That is the battle of the seeds. Look at Psalm chapter 82. We're almost done. Isn't this a great Christmas message? God standeth in the congregation of the what? Keep your place here, Genesis chapter 6. Verse 4, there were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of old, men of renown. You see that? Mighty men. Psalm 82, verse 1, God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? The persons of the wicked. Who is identified as the wicked in the Bible? Satan. That's his name. The wicked. Then what's that next word? Selah. So when does this take place? In the millennium. Whenever you see that word Selah, it always deals with that millennial rest of the kingdom. Jesus Christ is going to take care of it. Verse 3. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Delivered the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. You understand when all the foundations of the earth are out of course? When God destroys a third of the moon, a third of the sun, a third of the stars. Is that gonna, that's in Revelation chapter 8. Is that going to take things out of course? Selah. Look at verse 6. I have said, ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall 
like one of the princes. Who are these princes? The prince of the prince of Persia, the prince of Egypt, the prince of Grecia. These are spiritual beings that are identified in the Bible. Remember the angel that that, that God sends to Daniel. Daniel prays for deliverance. God sends this angel. 21 days later, that angel shows up and said, I, 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 I came to you. I started coming to you on the day that you prayed, but the prince of Persia hindered me. And Michael, the chief prince, the chief, one of the chief princes, came and fought with me so that he could come and do it. These princes shall fall like the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shall inherit all nations. You see, this sons of God thing, it's very real. This battle is very real. But you know what's going to end up happening? They're going to die like men. They're going to die like men. Right now, they're eternal beings. They're going to die like men. They're going to, be, they're going to perish in an eternal hell that was created for the devil and his angels. So this is the key. This is the key to us understanding it, that, that God has a plan, but Satan also has a plan. God has a city. It's Jerusalem. Satan has a city. That city is Babylon. God has a seed, and that seed is Jesus Christ, that seed is Israel, that seed, those sons of God are us. Satan hates everything that's a part of God's plan. He hates it. Amen? That's the battle of the seeds that was pronounced in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. How many of you saw something tonight you'd never seen before? It is just an amazing Bible. Now, if this is your first time with us, it's the first time that you've seen it, you probably think we're crazy. We just read the Bible and we compared the passages of Scripture. This is what the Bible says. Let me just ask you this. Right now, if Jesus Christ returned today, how many of you believe Jesus Christ could return yet today? If he returned today, would you be ready? If you died today, are you sure that you'd go to heaven? Are you sure that Jesus Christ is your Savior? You see... The Bible says, just like there are two seeds, because there are two seeds, there are two families. Jesus said to the Pharisees, you are of your father, the devil. When you get saved, now you become a part of the family of God. Amen. Amen. We really are brothers and sisters in Christ. I hope that you're saved. I hope that you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for your eternal life. But you need to understand something. Satan has had a strategy all that, that started in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. That strategy is not done. Much of that is yet future. Much of it is past, but much of it is yet future. But God's plan, God's plan is still in effect. And you know what God's will for you is? That you be saved. You know what God's will for you is? That you be righteous. You know what God's will for you is? That you be delivered from this present evil world. That's what God's plan is. I like God's plan better. Amen. Let's get on board with him.